you watching online, the notes are available to you there in the links, so feel free to follow along. You can do that here as well. A couple of Sundays ago, we talked about being about our Father's business and where that phrase came from, about my Father's business, Jesus speaking at 12 years old, preaching the sermon to us. We recognized that that required some introspection and then Last week, we recognized the first order of business, if you will, is to be about the Great Commission. And whether or not you have the, what's been referred to as the gift of evangelism, although it's not necessarily one of those main spiritual gifts, whether you have that gift, um, whether you think you're gifted in that or not, it, uh, it's a command for us, it's a call for us, and everything that we need to do what we ought to do, God has given us by His Holy Spirit and by His Word. It was last week. This morning, we continue that thought about being about our Father's business as we deal with church matters. This is a critical hour for humanity. It is either the day of salvation or the day of judgment based on what men and women and boys and girls will do with Jesus across an hour, very similar to this, in gathered bodies all across our city, our state, our nation, and even with a gathered church across the world when the gospel is preached. For approximately 155,000 people, today will be the day of glorification or condemnation as they slip into eternity with or without Christ, having breathed their last breath on earth. It's a critical hour for humanity. It's a pivotal moment for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm speaking of the big C church right now. For those of you young in the room, the Bible talks about churches in two ways. There's the church, the big C, the universal church. Not the universalist church, but the universal church. That is every redeemed man or woman, girl or boy who, who is walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, been washed in the blood of the Lamb, all over the world we're united under Him in one faith. That's the one big C. And then there's the little C, as we call it. And that's the local church that gathered bodies all across the globe. So let me speak to the big C for just a moment. Everyone that's been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I, I want you to listen to these incredibly prophetic and profound words from Jamie Dunlop written years ago in a book called Compelling Community. Listen to what he says. Being a Christian is more fundamental to your identity than your family, than your ethnicity, than your profession, your nationality, your, sexual, your sexuality, or your personality, or any other way the world defines your identity. Being a Christian is more fundamental than anything else. And so the unity that you share with every other Christian supersedes every other bond. That means that whenever gospel people or wherever gospel people exist, diversity should as well because we're united and diversity grows naturally from the gospel. This is a critical hour for humanity, a pivotal moment for the church, and it's also an hour for us to be about our Father's business. With a sense of joy, yes. With a sense of humility, of course. 
but also with a sense of urgency. For Jesus said in John 9, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And for those of us who are in Christ, there is great encouragement from God's word. I want to remind each and every one of you in the building this morning, you are not alone. You're not alone. You may be by yourself in some moments, but you are not alone. The Bible says in John 17, Jesus speaking, I'm no longer in the world, but they, he's praying for us, are in the world, the church. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. In Galatians 3, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, there's no male or female, we're all one in Christ Jesus. Ephesians, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and we have been called into the one hope. God has placed us into the global church, yes, and we're thankful for that. But that's not the one another's in the Bible. I can't serve the global church as a one another. I don't know who the other is, right? The one another's, when those pop up in the New Testament, that's local church language. Paul didn't write the letter to the big C universe, hope this lands somewhere. He didn't do an all e-blast to everybody's inbox. He didn't spam the world. No, he sent it to the church, the gathered, called out body at Ephesus, at Philippi, at Galatia at Coloss, at Corinth. We see the church at Jerusalem, the gathered body at Antioch, the church at Smyrna, different churches, gathered bodies all over the Bible. The Bible uses one another language in the New Testament to describe the local gathered covenant group of believers. And here's my challenge to us this morning. If we're going to claim to be about our Father's business, then that means Somebody with their Bible open looking at us should see us arm in arm, well, COVID, six feet appropriately distance, chicken wing to chicken wing, right? Masked appropriately. But they should see us in community moving forward together. I don't know what your experience with the church was growing up, but I want to remind you of some things of God's word this morning. Then we'll touch our text in Ephesians. Then I'll give some great application from God's word that I think is appropriate to us today number one i hope this encourages you we are family the local church familial language is used all throughout the new testament let me give you some examples if you're taking notes i'll give you a few verses to write down they're also in the notes available online first corinth or i'm sorry second corinthians six eighteen. the lord says i will be a father to you and you shall be my son's and daughters. 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. When church discipline was being outlined and the offices of elders and deacons being addressed in Timothy, notice the tender language here used about a rebuke in 1 Timothy 5, The Bible says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. 
Galatians 6. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are in the, watch this, household of faith. Of all the words that come to your mind, thinking about what church is, boy, if you let culture try to inform you what church is, you'll think it's a voting block or a political force to be reckoned with or a community organization or a justice entity. No, 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 and no. It is first and foremost a family. We are not a cultural institution. Jesus did not die on the cross for a political cause or social good. It was an eternal purpose that he had. It's a family. The second thing, we are a body. We're a body, the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, actually verses 1 through 31. I won't read them all, don't worry. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 31. When I say don't worry, I know you love the word of God and you would sit there lovingly and hear it, but I'm not reading 31 verses from 1 Corinthians 12, so we have other things to cover. But you could read it at home. Let me hit a few verses from there, though, in verse 25. Let there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. That only happens at a local relational level. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are a body, not a business endeavor. Romans 12, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let each of us use them. So we're a body that needs one another to function. Some of you are finger functions, and some of you are eyeball functions, and some of you are other senses, and some of you are mobility functions. But we all need each other to function as the local, called out, gathered, Church, church matters in your Christian walk. You can't lone ranger this thing. There's no blueprint, b- blueprint in the New Testament that allows for you to free willy this thing on your own. We're a family. We are a body, not a business. We are a fellowship. A fellowship, not a club. <laughs> Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and of the prayers. Wow. Speaking of bread, for those of you watching online, one of the trade-offs that you have to do, and I'm so grateful for the technology that we have, um, so grateful we're able to do that. Lord willing, uh, soon after we get some things squared away from proposals and we review all those and weigh in and make some decisions, we'll, we'll have some equipment that maybe we can, you can see a little better, it's a little more reliable, but I'm grateful how the Lord has provided for us up to this point in that. But one of the things you miss when you're not here is when Lauren brings bread, because even though you seal it up, Lauren, I can still smell it and it smells so nice. It just <laughs> smells so nice. If you don't mind, if I can just get a piece of showbread from now on just to kind of put up here, that'll maybe help the sermon go faster. I don't know. Um, we're a fel- now don't, if I come up here next week and it's stacked with bread, message received. We're a fellowship. We pursue what makes peace for mutual upbuilding, the Bible says in Romans 14. Why? 
because unity is important in a fellowship. We're a fellowship, not a club. We operate on relationships. Lastly, we're a flock. These are just good guiding principles for you to remember as we think about the local church. In 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5, the Bible says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Here's the message to the shepherds in the room, to the elders in the room. Listen to the word of the Lord, brothers. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, elders and young alike, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. There's no room for grandiose personalities that dominate all of the scope of ministry, not according to God's word. There's no blueprint in here for superstar preachers or it's my way or the highway. It's not that way. I can't find that. We shepherd tenderly with the chief shepherd overlooking us, caring for the sheep. Here's the weird thing about your elders. We're also sheep. (laughs) We shepherd one another as well. We're a flock, we're cared for and led by shepherds, all submitting to the good shepherd. That's great, Pastor Chad, what an intro. I want to encourage you this morning. When the Lord Jesus Christ radically saved you, when he transformed your life and transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light, he brought you out of the world and into the church. There's some clear next steps for those who profess to know the Lord as Savior. As you have submitted to his way, I believe once you come to know the Lord personally and powerfully, the scripture's clear, the pathway of discipleship is clear, you're gonna make it public. You'll do that by baptism. Have you done that? I mentioned that just a couple of weeks ago. I think there may be one or two in here that have done that. Talk to one of our elders, maybe one or two more that need to do that. Since you've made a profession of faith, since you've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior of your soul, and the elders will all answer the questions the same way. So come talk to any of us. You say, wait, I was baptized as a baby. No, no. You weren't believers baptized as a baby. You may, there may have been a wonderful ceremony that happened to you in a, in a church gathering as a dedication. But uh, baptism is for believers to identify and go public with their faith. That's the first step. The second step is you're not baptized by the universal church. You're baptized by a local church, one that's shepherding you on your discipleship pathway. And the next step is you become kind of an active, engaged, covenant member in that local church, that family that loves you and cares about you, that body that multiplies your joys and helps divide your sorrows, that fellowship that longs to see one another succeed and become disciple-making disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ, that flock that submits to one another 
and to the Lord together. Isn't it just like our loving, merciful, gracious, heavenly Father to set it up so that we are not alone? Think about it. In the original creation, he creates Adam. He says it's not good for man to be alone, and he creates a small group. No, not, well, kind of, right? He makes Eve and puts somebody with him. Jesus didn't just blaze the trail all by himself. He had disciples around him. He called 12 out of that group of disciples. There were 500 that saw him resurrected. The New Testament churches began to multiply. God called us into a church. He didn't just call one person to walk with him. He called many. When the New Testament post-resurrection church was taking shape in Jerusalem in Acts, we see people were added to one another daily. When the Lord said he'd never leave us nor forsake us, I'm convinced that part of his wonderful means of grace to that end is this glorious, imperfect local church. Grace Covenant Church is a part of God's will for your sanctification. Those of you who are seated in a pew in this place right now, those of you who are watching online right now, whether you are formally a part of Grace Covenant Church and this is where you need to worship and engage with from now or whether you are one of the many guests who watch week after week after week the Lord is using this church as a part of your sanctification what a good loving gracious gift from the Lord this place is but church is not just about getting something church is not content to consume it's not a product to evaluate I'm not asking for your how many star reviews of the church this morning please it's a community to engage with it's a community to participate in it's a community to serve alongside it is more than just stuff and membership or formalizing a covenant in some way with a local body is all throughout the New Testament, as I've already indicated in a handful of verses. Now, it's not explicitly there where it says, thou shalt be a member of a local church, but it's certainly implicit in all of those one another's that we see play out in the Bible. It's not just a formality, though. It's a means by which we go public and commit to a specific group of believers. It's a vow to be a part of God's family in a local area. It's a pledge to be directly involved with the Great Commission with our neighbors and the nations. Let's look back at our text with me, please, in Ephesians 5 to set the stage for who is being addressed here. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. We're to look out for one another. We're to look out how we're walking together. Your testimony is not a private matter. It affects me because we're in covenant together. I want to help you. I want you to help me. We want to walk in wisdom together. Verse 16, we want to spend our time together wisely. I believe it was last week when I quoted Alistair Begg saying that the hour right after the worship time, right after the sermon, right after we finish service, the conversations that happen after one of those hours tends to have no connection to the Word of God or the time of worship. 
Well, we want to spend our time wisely together. That doesn't mean that we just float around on clouds and sing the hallelujah chorus all day and just quote scripture back and forth. But can I say this? Scripture ought to come up at some point. Your discipleship pathway ought to come up at some point. If you posted something like a, well, I don't know what the word would be there that's appropriate because so many people in the room and watching. If you posted something that was unwise, insert appropriate descriptor there, online, expect me to shout to you if I see it. Why? Because I'm better than you? No, because I probably almost posted the same thing or worse. <laughs> but um, your testimony is worth more than that. If some people look at our posts over the last year, what, what, will they, what will they think of our God and King and our relationship with Jesus? Let's move on. We strive to reject the foolish worldviews. Look at what it says. We, we do not be, we don't want to be foolish, but understand what the will of the wor- Lord is. How do we reject foolishness? Well, we reject worldviews of American syncretism and folk theology and out-and-out anti-God and anti-church rhetoric that's happening in politics and culture. We reject all of that because we want to stay close to God and understand what his will is. We stay sober and fix our eyes, verse 17, on Jesus so that we might be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm serious. You and I both, all of us have friends that over the last year, if we were to take and do one of those word cloud association things to show what all of their posts and all their public comments are and the platform they've been giving and what they've shared. They look like alcoholics. All they've posted about is being inebriated. And I'm telling you the time, the hour is critical. We need to think and act differently than the world does. We ought to be posting life and calling people to a living relationship with Jesus. Stay sober. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Verse 19, speak life when we gather so we can speak life in the word of God to one another. We want to sing with a song in our hearts. Verse 20, giving thanks to God the Father as we gather. Lifting up the name of Jesus. Verse 21, submitting to one another because we honor Christ as holy. You don't do this with the universal church. You do this with the local church. We gather together church matters if you're going to be about your father's business and when we're in covenant together it means there's unity we're in this thing together now local church unity is not just a business place unity around a mission statement or uniformity it's not consensus on on all matters but it is absolute agreement on the essentials what are the essentials you see, we, we, if we say we're part of Grace Covenant Church, we got to believe some of the same things. Does that make sense? It's, it's part of the responsibility of the elders here to protect the doctrine of the church. And so, so we all, if we proverbially sign the dotted line and say, I'm a member, I'm a faithfully engaged member of Grace Covenant Church, you are saying that we all believe the same thing about God, about his supremacy and the Trinity and his nature. We believe the same things about Jesus, God's Son, Uh, equal with God the Father. We believe the same things about the Holy Spirit and His role to convict and control and convert. And we believe the same things about this book, that it is God's Word, infallible, inerrant, inspired, and indispensable. We believe the same things about humanity, that human beings were made in God's image and therefore deserve human dignity, but that we are sinful and 
we believe the same things about salvation, that it's a necessity for all mankind so that we can glorify God on his terms and bring the Lord pleasure and it's by grace through faith we're saved not of works we believe the same things about our security in Christ that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption we believe the same things about heaven and about hell that they are both very real and eternal places we are united on essential doctrines and not only that, but we get along in the same areas on the distinctives that unite us as a church. Because there are a lot of churches that believe what I just said all up and down the boulevard. But there are a few things that make Grace Covenant Church distinctive, and that's why the Lord called you here. Not only do we believe the same thing about the essentials, we commit to mature together. And part of what a covenant does is it calls us to personal relational and missional commitments now for those of you watching online you've got a link to this right there I'm gonna close this in a moment I'll come back after we sing a little bit with the point of application reflection for us this morning but you've got a link right there to get to it but for those of you here this morning on the way out there's a, a few little pieces of paper I'd like for you to take with you for reflection it's that what does it look like to covenant with a local church? What does it look like to make personal commitments? What are the personal commitments? What am I committing to? Well, to engage regularly in Bible reading. To, uh, to walk in a way that you're honest in the sight of all men and faithful in your engagements and exemplary in conduct and you deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. To walk circumspectly in the world and do it in a way that honors the Lord. To endeavor to, by example and work and prayer, to win others to an acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Those are personal commitments. What about relational commitments? To walk together in Christian love? Yeah, sounds like a no-brainer. To pray with and for one another, sharing our burdens and sorrows and joys. To be thoughtful and courteous to one another. That's got to be in there. Yeah, don't you find it strange that Paul put in the Bible, and be ye kind one to another? I've often wondered, why would he have to say that after dealing with so much of the fruit of the Spirit? You know why? Because he had been around church people. <laughs> Just say it. Just say it. To guard the spiritual and scriptural purity, peace, prosperity of the church, and to promote its usefulness in the world. Personal, relational. There are really two missional commitments we make when we covenant with the church. To contribute financially to the support of the church, relief of the needy, and evangelism of all people, and to assist through the gifts of the Spirit in the work of the church and promote its usefulness. They're detailed on the handout. It'll be out there for you as you leave. Covenant together. What a gift from God. What's your next step this morning? Is it salvation? Some of you, I believe, right now in the room or watching online need to make a step toward Jesus. You need to stop saying no to God and trying to run your own life as if you were the king of everything and surrender to his lordship. Is that you? You can pray right now and talk to God and I'll teach it to you like I've been reading it through with my littles through that who is your king or who will be your king. Remember the two, uh, the two ways to live resource I shared with you last week? There's a kid's version of it out there. If you've got little kids, it's a great resource. I encourage you to pick it up. Who will be your king? But it says, when you pray to God, pray this. Here's what you say. You say to God, sorry, thank you, and please. 
you say sorry. Lord, I'm sorry for trying to run my life my own way. I know that's not how you design it. You say thank you. Thank you for sending the Lord Jesus Christ to die on a cross for my sins, for paying my sin debt. Thank you for sending your word so that I could be convicted. And you say, please, please, Lord, forgive me. Wash me. Make me new. I want to follow you. Fill me with your spirit that I can be with. Something like that. It's a good little header. Sorry, thank you, and please. Some of you, your next step is toward salvation. Some of you, your next step is toward baptism. I've mentioned that. If you're following the Lord Jesus Christ now, follow him in baptism. And if you haven't, um, you got questions, we've got answers. Connect with us after service online. If you want to do that, talk to any of the elders. Some of you, your next step is actual membership in the church. If you're a regular attender that hasn't yet crossed the line into covenant membership, let's do it like the Freemans just did a couple of weeks ago. We spend time digging into doctrine, making sure we're on the same page. That's important. We spend time talking about our relationship with the Lord. We spend time talking about Grace Covenant Church. I mean, I'm not the only one that nerds out about it. New members do too, y'all. It's kind of fun. As we look over the covenant this morning and in the coming days this week, as you look over that and reflect on that, I think we'll all find areas where we need grace and where we need to be a little bit more disciplined. The last verse of our text, it's something that local churches do, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's stand together. As the musicians are coming and we're about to spend some time singing in worship, I want to give you a moment to reflect. I, I think what you'll find is not a set of rules, but just a capturing of what biblical Christianity lived out in the local church looks like. We've had these established for more than a year now, actually, and all the new members have seen them. It's good for us to revisit them from time to time. Take time to pray. Ask the Lord to help you in the areas of discipline. Where do you need help? Personally? Relationally? Missionally? I've got good news. He's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Let's pray. Father, as we take just a few moments to reflect on church matters. It's one thing to know we need to take a step of faith, God. We recognize this morning it's another thing entirely to put one foot in front of the other. Would you help us to be boys and girls and women and men of faith today, repenting where we need to, confessing where we need to, walking in faith, as we need to, as the church is about your business. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen.